section thirty one of violet osborne this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org violet osborne by lady emily ponsonby volume three chapter three oh never say that i was false of heart though absence seemed my flame to qualify as easy might i from myself depart as from my soul which in thy breast doth lie that is my home of love if i have ranged like him that travels i return again shakespeare lester arrived in england in the june following he came with only two sisters three had married during the sojourn in india marion had very early attracted the attention of a widower with several small children and was now presiding over his household instead of her brother's henrietta had been the next to marry hers was a love marriage and her lover was a lawyer friend of lester's jessie had remained disconsolate until another widower mourning over the loss of a superior woman was attracted by her pretty face and helpless ways when lester to whom the proposal was made mentioned it to jessie she burst into tears and said he was so old and so frightful she would rather die than marry him but before the discouraging message could be conveyed she changed her mind and said she thought she would try him and since her marriage she had twice written word to margaret that she liked her husband very well these marriages were all good marriages in point of money arrangements lester therefore was satisfied to give small portions to these sisters jessie's portion indeed was entirely rejected by the ardent and generous widower who had laid himself and all he had at the feet of his young wife when therefore they returned to england the circumstances of the family had changed and lester was able to contemplate a marriage for himself and a separate establishment for his remaining sisters without any conscientious fears lest he might be securing his own good at the expense of theirs before he had been a fortnight in england he mentioned the one morning at breakfast that he was going out of town for a few days he spoke indifferently but a faint glow that stole over his face revealed to rachel's eyes the direction his steps would take lester had returned unchanged unchanged within and without in body in mind and in heart a few more gray hairs were perhaps sprinkled on his dark head but he was not yet thirty-eight and though at thirty-two he had looked old for his age at thirty-eight it was no longer so the rest which india had procured for his wearying domestic cares the diversion it had given to his sore heart and troubled thoughts had arrested the premature symptoms of middle age and he was greeted by many a friend with the agreeable greeting why you have grown younger but in character also he was unchanged such renovation and refreshing as his body had received had not penetrated there the same diffidence not of his mental powers but of his powers to win and please still laid its freezing hand upon his soul the same shy and sensitive pride made him still shrink from the idea of putting himself forward and shudder at the thoughts of a rebuff 
nevertheless violet was in his heart and in his hopes and he did contemplate one more attempt to win her to himself he had made no efforts to preserve his constancy he had looked on their separation as one for life yet as mrs osborne had said he was not a man to change and as years rolled on he began unconsciously at unconsciously first and afterwards with full purpose of his heart and soul to turn his thoughts to her she alone could yet build up for him a bright picture in the future he determined to seek her not as a lover but as a friend to read for himself in her speaking countenance whether or no any thought of him lingered in the chambers of her fancy he left london buoyant and hopeful in spirit in the distance excitement primed and warmed his cowardly soul and all seemed easy it seemed an easy and natural thing to be a friend to say that as a friend he had on his return desired to renew acquaintance with them all he pictured his calm sedate entrance into the drawing-room the tranquil talk over india and his sisters and the voyage pictured it and all seemed peaceful and serene thus he left london but like acres in the rivals as the time drew near his courage oozed out at the palms of his hands he arrived late at the inn of the little town five miles from holywell and there slept when movement was over when he found himself five miles from violet he wondered how he had ever dared to come and when at half-past ten he heard the horn of the late coach passing through on its london way he started up in a sudden impulse to return as he came that impulse was checked but still as he sat in the dingy room with two inn candles for his light cowardice so crept over and paralyzed him that he began to look on himself as a mad man for the resolution that had brought him down he again pictured his entrance to the drawing-room he saw himself agitated within but cold and silent without no thought in his head no word on his tongue without a charm to recommend himself to her notice or lure her heart if still it had to be won he pictured it till the picture became intolerable and he felt that his plan of operations must be changed if he was to meet violet it must be by chance he rang the bell is there anything like an inn or a respectable public-house near the village of holywell oh law sir yes there's a famous little place one can't call it an hotel but a neat little place about half a mile off the young artists lodge there and young gentlemen for fishing and hunting and so on and invalids now and then it's kept by a nice respectable body enough tell the boots to call me at seven was lester's reply and he walked over on the following morning guided by minute directions from the landlord to the little inn in question there receiving a smiling answer to his request for a private room and breakfast he sat down to ruminate though shy with all men rich and poor there was something in lester's look in his smile and in his voice which won those beneath him on the very first address and when he courteously roused himself from an abstracted gaze on the landscape 
to assist the landlady in extricating her gown from a nail which held her fast she took him into her good graces and made much of him accordingly bless you sir don't trouble yourself it's a nasty rusty nail which didn't ought to be there thank you sir no matter for the rent the gown's an old gown now though it's been a good servant in its day there sir i hope you find yourself comfortable very comfortable thank you and have everything you want sir everything thank you ah sir you're not like some young gentlemen no sooner do i get to the door but they cry come back good woman and bless you they ask for some sauce or other that my precious wits never so much as heard of i am not young enough for that he said smiling perhaps i may have done it in my time never sir you never done it that i know you never like to give trouble to no person whatsoever that i know you'd sooner black your own boots than ask a body to do them unless the proper person offered himself lester colored slightly and shrinking from this minute and clear-sighted inspection said you have a fine view from this window you may say that sir mr pope says it's a paradise on earth and if it beant profane to say so and i suppose it beant as the rector says it it's true sir lester rose from the breakfast-table and walked to the window he longed for the ready tongue that would draw from his loquacious landlady the name he desired to hear but questions would not come at his call she however interpreting the movement as expressive of the inquiries which she was well accustomed to hear placed herself at his side and pointed out as mr pope had done to mr osborne and violet the chief features or rather the human interests of the scene at every change of person she looked pitifully round and said won't your breakfast be spoiled sir yet went on remorselessly till she had sketched the varied occupants past and present of bascom and ashford park when this was done she said now do sir go to breakfast or it will be spoiled and remembering other guests to whom she had to attend left the room when she was gone lester marvelled at his folly he might have heard not only the name for six years unpronounced in his presence but he might have heard details of her life and state of mind he might have gathered hints for his present guidance and he would not nor even then in his solitude could he frame to himself the inquiries which would elicit all that he desired to know when breakfast was over he sat down in the window drew a pamphlet from his pocket and proceeded to ruminate on the steps which should be taken to secure a sight of violet if not an interview with her during the day some time passed before his landlady returned to remove the breakfast bless the folks she then observed they wouldn't be a done with their talk and i vowed i'd wait on you myself sir and what do you think sir i never thought o telling you that there's a kind of a feast to-day in my lord's park you see sir that mr vane the young gentleman i spoke about he warn't at home when he came to his age and so he said he'd have a kind of a feast now after the hard times and all and he's a good sir to think of it 
but he is a good young gentleman not one of your young sirs taken up with his sauces and his nonsense and if you please to see the feast sir why you can for the tables will be spread on the spot of green just beyond the village and the villagers will all be looking on i'll be bound i think i will try and see it i am a londoner and such a sight will be new to me you a londoner sir well i never should have thought it what shall i see lester asked for one thing you'll see two young ladies sir not to be matched for handsomeness nor goodness neither nor goodness neither neither in these kingdoms nor any other be they who they may lester turned slightly towards the window and looked out he guessed what now would come and he was afraid even of his landlady's eyes the one is miss hamilton sir william's daughter his only child as i mentioned sir she's a nice sweet comely maid and as good as she's comely and the other is the very dearest young lady that ever trod the earth be she who she may and does more good in her blessed life than fifty rectors be they who they may there was no mistaking whom she meant but lester was mute he could not even ask her name his landlady was making a clatter with the breakfast things which she had now piled on a tray he feared the conversation was at an end yet could not think how to renew it at last as she occupied for the moment with household cares was detecting a crack in a favorite plate he cleared his throat and said miss hamilton i think you said is sir william's only child she laid down the plate and came joyfully for another talk yes sir only daughter and heiress at present for sir william is unmarried some say he will marry miss osborne the young lady i spoke about just now but i doubt it and she looked knowing and wise while lester startled put his elbows on the window-sill and gazed fixedly forward she is his only child and mr vane is my lord's only child and some say there is to be a marriage between them but i doubt it unless my eyes are blind he has another lady in his thoughts and bless you my eyes are not blind why when they walk along together walking and talking i can see who he's taken up with fast enough i'm none of your beetles why he just worships the very ground she treads on not a sound from lester but the words not the less penetrated and paralyzed the life the very life of love within him he rose up from his position the eyes of the landlady forgotten it's true sir unless i'm blind and if she be my lady why she well deserves it for there's no sweeter lady in christendom that i'll wager my life upon but bless you sir i've been telling out my secret thoughts which i didn't ought to do but there's something about you sir that makes me feel at home sir begging your pardon your words are safe with me he said in a firm but hoarse voice i fear you have a cold sir and do look pale rest a bit here sir it's a pleasant room and i'll bring you a bit of lunch and then you can stroll down towards my lord's park it'll be a fine day she added looking out but showery there's a blackish cloud far out there it'll be down upon us in the course of the day she left lester alone to his meditations was this then what he had dreaded 
as he drew near to her abode was it the shadow of this disappointment that had come forth to meet him and to withhold him from a vain approach he was not superstitious but it seemed to him as if by his last night's cowardice he had been benignly stayed from a rash venture whose ill success would have killed him yet he was not going to yield the point his eyes his own eyes alone should be trusted and though all thoughts of a visit had vanished he determined to make an effort to see and possibly to be seen he waited for several hours before he set forth and with a stubborn resolution which long habits of self-conquest had taught him mastered the pamphlet a stiff legal work on which his opinion had been asked towards two o'clock he set forth and guided by the words and gestures of his landlady found the spot she had mentioned it was a broad flat piece of green grass situated just within ashford park and enclosed by trees young and old a kind of natural platform so fitted for rural sports and pastimes that it had been given as a half grant a grant with reservations that is to the villagers by a former lord ashford it was enclosed on three sides by woods but towards the village the park wall made a sudden dip and for upwards of twenty yards became a battlement on which the old men of the village could lean their elbows and watch the youthful sports that went on within on this spot several long tables were spread out and two or three tents containing the food and the crockery which was needed for the feast one of these tents was nearly opposite the dip in the wall just described the villagers were congregated without none had yet been admitted within and by the side of two or three old men leaning his arm against the buttress that supported the wall where it suddenly fell lester paused and looked on several figures were busily occupied in covering the tables but none so active as violet he discovered her in a moment though she was at a distance and saw with an ache of the heart that a young man was constantly at her side he became so fascinated in watching the scene in wondering as she drew nearer whether she would discover him amongst the crowd that he did not notice the gradual rising of the black cloud his landlady had pointed out as a threatening one it was equally unperceived by the busy figures within and the eager crowd without and all alike were startled when it suddenly burst and the rain fell as from buckets at this moment violet was at the table nearest to the dip in the wall the food was still in the tents but she was putting down the last plates from a huge pile when the storm burst she stood for a moment as if determined to finish her operations but the force of the shower was beyond her power to brave and following the general example she flew to the nearest shelter it was to the tent opposite where lester stood full in his view though some hundred feet removed from the road thither lionel who had been at the other end of the same table followed her lester put up his umbrella and with natural courtesy held it over an old man in a smock frock who was leaning on the wall beneath him one or two children crept in to share the benefit a few other old umbrellas appeared and a good many women flew away to the nearest trees for a few seconds lester was engaged in offering his advice to the crowd 
when he looked back again violet had seated herself by a table and lionel was bending beside her the conversation was eager and seemed to become more and more so for three or four minutes lester watched it in the same fascinated manner and then suddenly remembered that he was answered for what should he wait more was it honorable to stand thus and spy upon her actions with the first rising of this thought he forgetful of rain and his neighbors moved from the spot but had not taken many steps before he remembered the old man he had been protecting from the storm he came back i beg your pardon my good man i took my umbrella away too soon thank ye sir and welcome i'm not afeard of a few dewdrops he laughed loud and hoarsely at his jest and once again lester cast his eyes on violet anticipating that the shout of laughing would draw her attention to the spot but the conversation was too interesting or seemed so to be interrupted nay he fancied that her cheek was flushed but at the distance at which he was placed this was probably a fancy he stood like a martyr to his old friend during the remaining minutes of the storm his eyes no longer turned to the spectacle that made him mad were steadfastly averted in a contrary direction and the moment the rain began to abate he walked with rapid steps away now sir you're not going off in this way without a glass of wine was the reception of the landlady when he returned to pay his bill and take his leave now do sit down and rest yourself till the heat of the day is past thank you the walk will refresh me he said wearily then immediately conscious of the dejected tone and as if blushing at the weakness added the rain has refreshed the air that's true and the dust won't creep into your eyes as it did this morning well sir if you must go god be with you as the old folks say and if you come this way again you'll have a warm welcome i am not likely to come i am afraid i am a londoner if i do i shall not forget your words wishing her good-bye he returned to the town and took his place by the night coach whose horn had tempted him the previous day he did not appear at home till his sisters were going to dress for dinner he then walked into the drawing-room as usual john come back so soon margaret cried springing up she flew to greet him rachel looked and saw why so soon yes come back he replied and now what have you been doing with yourselves has anything happened a letter from henrietta rachel said and eagerly anxious not to seem to have observed his countenance instantly produced it rachel margaret said when he left the room where has john been i do not know but i guess not there surely not there already i guess it but i do not know and you think without success and her cheek crimsoned with indignation and she clenched her fist you know as much as i do margaret i do not think he looked successful it is impossible she cried i shall ask mr ellis margaret rachel said in a tone of keen reproach margaret blushed it was only a moment's thoughtlessness she said penitently i would not really talk over john's feelings for the world and but little more was said between them lester had not known how strong his hope had been till it was flown 
how the picture of violet had brightened his future till it was effaced but though he had his weakness and his cowardice he had also his strength and he combated the dejection that stole over him with the full bent of a sound mind and a strong will to work he thankfully turned and found as before relief in it some papers he had written while in india had preceded him and made him a reputation and even albert allowed that the poor fellow was beginning to be appreciated his opinion was asked and followed by some high in office and before many weeks passed he was offered a permanent appointment at the moment vacant it was accepted and with thankfulness for the work's sake but the independence it gave him which once would have been a boon was at the moment an object of indifference to him end of volume three chapter three